the message today. In the name of Jesus, amen. shadows step out of the grave break into the wild and don't be afraid run into wide open spaces grace is waiting for you dance like the weight has been lifted grace where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, there is freedom. Come out of the dark, just as you are, into the fullness of His love. For the Spirit is here, let there be freedom. Let
your heart I'm running for your heart Till I am a soul on fire Lord, I'm running for your ways I'm waiting for the days When I am a soul on fire Till I am a soul on fire God, I'm running for your heart, I'm running for your heart, till I am a soul on fire, Lord, I'm longing for the way, I'm waiting for the day, when I am a soul on fire, till I am a soul on fire, Lord, lift up this joy I had, but I have a sinners, Christ died for us. God, before we knew you, we didn't we didn't know how empty our lives were. We didn't know how dark the darkness really was. God, but you have pursued us. So this morning we praise you for your love and your mercy and your grace. 
We worship you, God, for all these things and for your goodness. Lord, without your goodness, where would we be? We thank you, God, that you are a good God. Deeper still. 
your mercy never fails me and all my days have been held in your hands from the moment that I wake up until I lay my head oh I will sing of the goodness of God And all my life you have been faithful And all my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am able Oh, I will sing of the goodness
that he overcame, that Jesus had the power to overcome sin and death so that we could live for him. Shall we pray? Father, thank you so much. What a good, good father you are to us. We just thank you, Father, for your gracious love, for your faithfulness, for your mercy, for all the things that you have bestowed upon us that are good. For we know that you are a God of good gifts and good things. When we rely upon you and we put our praise and our worship upon you, Father, we just get, know that you are the one who has come and saved us, healed our hearts, and brought us back into relationship with you. And we just thank you, Father, for sending your Son for he is our Savior, and he is worthy of our, our honor and our, our praise sent up to him. And He's worthy of our praise, Father. We thank you for all of your love. We thank you, Father, that we have 
the ability to come here today and to worship you and to to meet together and to pray together and to sing together and to worship together. We just pray, Father, that that your Holy Spirit will continue to flow through here as it has this morning. Continue to be within each one of us, Father. Lift us up into your throne. For we know that when we call upon your name and the name of Jesus, that you lift us up and you bring us before the throne. And we ask today that this mighty God, you are mighty, awesome, and worthy of all of our praise unto you. We love you today because you first loved us. You extended your mercy unto us when we didn't deserve it. And we give you praise. And we sing of your goodness. For you are a good, good Father. You're a good God. A faithful, loving, merciful God. And we thank you. And Father, we think of those that could not be here today. And we just pray, Father, that you will touch them and be with them. Whatever the situation is, whether they're sick or away, we just pray that you'll touch them and be with around them, surround them with your love. We thank you, Father, for being with each and every one of our our people that are, have been sick. We pr- thank you for Carrie's report, and we just pray you'll continue to give her healing. You'll touch her body in a great way, that, that the surgeons have done their job, and we just plan on you doing the healing and the restoration. And we pray for her sister, Bonnie Marie. We just pray, Father, that you'll touch her as she goes now through the chemo treatments and that you will give her the strength and the courage and the ability to fight back with all that she has within her, but that you will touch her body in a great and mighty way. Be with her family through this time. We thank you, Father, for Bobby, that he could be here today and that you have touched him and that you have uh, fixed and shown the doctors what to do to correct the, the problem that he had. And we just thank you, Father, for his life and for his service here at the church. And we, we thank you that he could be here today. We continue to pray for Ronnie's mother, Wanda. She's back in ICU. And we pray, Father, that you will touch her today, that you will strengthen her body and that you will heal her in a special way. We pray for Pastor Tom as he's uh, recovering now from hip surgery. We pray, Father, your, your blessings upon him. We know that he has been a servant of yours, that he has served you for over 40 years and passing the word of God to others. And we just pray that you'll continue to bless him and touch him and heal his body as he continues to go through therapy and as he works to come back to be with us again. We thank you, Father for all that you do for us, that you know all of our needs before we even can ask them. But you said to come before you and to ask. And so today we ask that your mighty power will be with about, um, among each one of us, that your healing power will be all, amongst all of these that need healing, and that you will restore each one of us up into your kingdom. We just uh, thank you for Pastor Don as he has come to fill the pulpit these fast few months and that it continues to bring the message that you have laid upon his heart and we thank you father for the pastor that you are preparing for our church we we just ask that you send the the right one that you've notified them and that him or her whoever it might be father that they are preparing their hearts and ministry for us and help the leadership team as they meet and as they 
talk to these uh, candidates for this church. We pray, Father, that you will help us to select the right one, the one that you have planned for this church for this time. We give you praise for your goodness in directing each of our, our services and for the board and lifting them up to you today. And now as we come time to take up the offering and as the ushers come forward, we just pray, Father, that this offering will be a, a blessing for the gift and the giver. We just pray, Father, that as we give, that it will honor and glorify you, that it's a portion of what you have given to us and that will help to further your kingdom. We just give you praise and honor and glory. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may be seated as Pastor Don comes and shares with us. Good morning. Have some people going today that uh, I'm starting to recognize, and but we're glad that you're here today. Uh, to be a part of this service. You know, the Nazarene Church is, uh, we're heading towards 3 million members, <clears throat> which is not great, but uh, still, when I joined the church uh, some time ago, uh, we were at a million. And so that's three times as many that we're heading for, and that's really good. And uh, But yet we're small, aren't we? We're, we're large, but we're small, and that's what I love about the church. And uh, it's interesting that uh, as I've gone through the years in the church, how that individuals have crisscrossed uh, my path uh, in moving around to several states uh, as the Lord uh, kept moving us around to several states. <clears throat> and one of those couples that... Uh, crossed our path was Jimmy and Ruby A. Duddle, and I've been wanting to bring that up. I think they were part of this church, weren't they? And uh, Jimmy and Ruby, uh, we go way back to Midwest City, Indiana, Mi excuse me, Midwest City, Oklahoma, uh, where I was a layman. I was not a minister, and uh, I was teaching school at Bethany, Bethany High School in Bethany, Oklahoma, and uh, was told to go to Midwest City First Church where I could uh, get involved in bus ministry, and I did. And uh, Jimmy and Ruby ran one of the buses. A guy by the name of Ernie Wilson ran another one. Had lots of money, so he won every week. And uh, then there was Jan and I, the poor, the poor school teacher, and uh, we took a little bus there and worked with Jimmy and Ruby and we're always in competition with them every Sunday to see who would bring in the most children. Miss those days. Those were great days of evangelism, great days of getting into homes and had a reason to talk to people, and it was just uh, really great. But I want to talk to you about temptation today, a very important subject, because the truth of the matter is temptation has been around since the Garden of Eden, it's never gone away. It's something that affects all of our lives. But my concern is not so much about that as it is that I believe that we're not doing very well with temptation today. And I think that the weakness of the church today 
is in a great to a great extent and I mean that I say that this morning very strong statement but I really mean it is that to me it is obvious that temptations in the world today are are giving us a great deal of problems in our walk of holiness and I believe that two of the temptations that are very radical today uh, just so I can throw two of them out there that maybe we can identify with are lying and lust. I think that those two temptations have inundated our society today, and I believe with all of my heart that it has crept its way into the church. Uh, For instance, just this week, and I'm just using this as an example, and then I'll pick on myself. Uh, We know that the Dallas Cowboys hired a new coach, uh, Mike McCarthy. That might not be important to you. Uh, But they did, and in his very first press conference that he held as the new leader of the Dallas Cowboys, uh, he admitted to the fact that he had lied in his interview. No big deal, ha, 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 that was funny. But the truth of the matter is, if our society is made up of that today, if Washington, D.C. is made up of that today, then we have a hard time functioning as a society if nobody's telling the truth. I remember a doctor's appointment not too long ago, a couple years ago, when I had uh, uh, a very uh, a doctor that really cared about my health. She really did, but I think to an extreme. She, it was like I became her personal vendetta uh, to, get, to get healthy. And uh, she used to uh, hold me to the grindstone accountable. And I was in there for one of my yearly physicals, and uh, I hadn't done well that year, put on a little weight. And she asked me, she said, can I ask you a question? And I said, sure, that's, that's why I'm here. She said, have you been walking like I told you to walk? And I said, yes, I have been walking. She got real silent. And then she said... Um, I want to run one more blood test. And her assistant was there in the room, and so she said, I want to run one more blood test. I'm going to go out and, and get the stuff. I just want to do one more blood test. And uh, when she left the room, the assistant looked at me and very serious said to me, said, you know why she's running that blood test, don't you? I said, I have no idea. He said, she wants to know if you're lying. (laughs) He said, that's the only reason you run this blood test. That blood test will tell her immediately, and I don't know, I'm not a doctor, but immediately whether you've been walking or not. Because she wants to know how serious you are about this, uh, this health issue. But I believe with all of my heart that we are inundated with... uh, temptation, and so I want to address it this morning. I want to use as my text 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, if you have your Bibles this morning, and I want you to stand while we read from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, where Paul is talking. And uh, I'm, going to, I'm going to read a, about 13 scriptures here, but we're going to only concentrate in on the 13th. 
But I want you to see because you've got to get the background of what Paul is saying here in order to get what he is saying in the 13th verse of this 10th chapter of 1 Corinthians. He starts out like this. For I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, like our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea. And all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food. They all drank the same spiritual drink, for they were drinking from a spiritual rock which followed them, the rock of Christ. Now what Paul is saying there at first to us, he's setting the foundation. Foundation is this. I want you to know that these people that I am talking about, and it's very simple, all had the same spiritual opportunity. All of them, no exception. All fell in the same category, all given opportunity, and it was always spiritual. Then he says, nevertheless, with most of them, God was not well pleased, for they were laid low in the wilderness. Now, these things happened as an example for us so that we would not crave evil things as they also craved. Do not be idolaters, as some of them were, as it is written. People sat down to eat and drink and stood up to play. Nor let us act immorally, as some of them did. And 23,000 fell in one day. Nor let us try the Lord, as some of them did, and were destroyed by the serpents. Nor grumble, as some of them did, and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now, obvious conclusion with those verses is this. Temptation is very serious. Temptation can do you in. Temptation brought bad results to people that all had the same spiritual opportunity. Do you get this? This is what Paul was saying. Now, these things happened to them as an example. Then he said, therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed that he does not fall. And then the verse. No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also so that you will be able to endure it, so that you will pass the blood test. <laughs> so when the doctor sees the blood, she will know that you were not lying. You were working out and doing what you said you were doing. Let's pray. Father, <clears throat> help us today, Lord. We pray that <clears throat> you would give guidance to us, Lord, as we break the bread of life. Lord, we need to hear this message this morning, for this is common to all of us. Nobody is exempt. This touches all of our lives. This is where we live. Temptation is all around us. Not because we have said it is, but because God's word says that it is. And so, Lord, we must learn how to be overcomers. We must learn how to find a way out 
how to find victory in the midst of temptation. And so this morning, Lord, in these simple thoughts, I pray that it would bring power against temptation to these precious people that have gathered here this morning, and that you would give me wisdom to help them to see it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I believe that the second great temptation besides lying in our world today is lust. I think nobody can be in, in, in tune with our world today, whether it be the billboards or television or entertainment or the movie industry or anything, pretty much anything that's going in our, our society today that we cannot say that, the, that lust is a serious, serious issue in the area of temptation in our world today. I want you to know that the devil tempts us to lust. TV tempts us to lust. Advertising tempts us to lust. Periodicals and books tempt us to lust. Computers and the Internet tempts us to lust. We live in a society that tempts us to evil, and especially sexually. And it is obvious to me that in the 21st century, we need to know how to overcome temptation that is all around us. So my goal today and what I, what I wanted to do and I, what I hope to do today is to give you five, that's ten, five steps of avoiding temptation. Five simple steps that is given to, given to us in God's word to avoid temptation that is all around us. Maybe you heard the story about the preacher who was late for a very important meeting and the meeting was going to be at the courthouse and I'm just guessing that this was in Indiana, my home state, because in Indiana, every town has a center courthouse. That's just the way the state is made. So pretty much no matter what town you go to in Indiana, you're going to find a courthouse with a road that circles around that courthouse, and then everything goes out from that, from that courthouse. We even have one town in Indiana that has a tree growing out of the courthouse, the top of the courthouse, very famous uh, town. You'll have to look it up. But anyway, he drove around and around. He couldn't find a parking place. His pastor had sent him there for this very important meeting, and finally he just decided he'd just park his car in a no parking zone, and on his car he left a note. I have driven around this building ten times, and I have a very important meeting that if I miss it, my senior pastor will be very angry with me, and he included a verse, forgive us our debts. <laughs> well, when he came out from that meeting, he found a ticket on his car, a parking ticket. And a note, and the note said this, I've driven around this building for 10 years, and I don't give you a ticket. If I don't give you a ticket, my boss is going to be very mad at me. And he included a verse, lead us not into temptation. Today we're going to look at God's promise to temptation which involves all of us. 
I've been uh, filling in here at this church now since the first Sunday in uh, November. I've got to know you a little bit and looking over your faces on Sunday morning. Uh, it's, it's interesting. And uh, I can tell you something about this crowd this morning that is the absolute truth. That I know beyond a shadow of a doubt from my now 10 weeks of experience. And that is every one of you is under the burden of temptation. No exemptions. Temptation is common to us all. And so the message that I'm preaching this morning, some of the messages that I preach will hit some people and hit other people, but this one, don't sit there and say, I'm not guilty, because if you say you're not guilty, you are not living the truth. We're going to draw blood. And we're going to check it out, because I have a feeling that you're not telling the truth. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 10, 13 again from the Good News Bible. Here's what it says. Every temptation that comes your way is the kind that, now get this, that normally comes to people. But God keeps his promise, and he will not allow you to be tempted beyond your power to resist. At the time you are tempted, he will give you the strength to endure it and so provide you a way out. Now, notice in that scripture, he is not saying that because there is temptation, I have decided to exempt some of you. Because some of you are weak, I'm not going to allow temptation to come your way. He doesn't say that. He says all of you are going to come under temptation. That's a given. And because you're going to be under temptation and I cannot stop it, what I am going to do is give you a way out. You know what I think? I want to know what that way out is. Because I know that if you're tempted, if you are under temptation, so am I. You see, temptation is man's oldest problem. God set it up in the Garden of Eden. In the Garden of Eden, he said to Adam and Eve, he said, because he didn't want Adam and Eve to love him, because he told them to love him, he didn't want Adam and Eve to serve him because he told them to serve him. It wasn't a whip in a chair. He wanted Adam and Eve to love him because they chose to obey and love God. That's what he wanted of mankind. And so what happened? Temptation came in the garden. Satan showed up. And what was the issue? He tempted them to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And by the way, it, most people uh, see it as an apple tree. And it may, maybe and probably it was an apple tree. Who knows? But you have to understand something about temptation. I'm just going to throw out here because it's not part of my message. It's not apple eating and it's not apple trees. It is a tree in the garden that had a fruit that they were instructed not to eat. Because sometimes, you know, we put false uh, guilt on people. See, temptation doesn't come from people. Well, it can come from people, but it's easier to deal with people than it is to deal with Satan. 
And sometimes people will put guilt trips on us that have nothing to do with the Scripture. If somebody is telling me that I am giving in to temptation, I want them to show me in the Bible. And i got to tell you, as a pastor, I had to deal with this. I could start this morning, but then I'd never get to the points of the message and tell you some of the issues that I had to deal with as a pastor that had nothing to do with right or wrong, nothing to do with temptation, but the people of the church made it that way. Did you know it's a sin to paint a room the wrong color? That's as simple as I can make it. Now you're tempted. You're tempted all the time, and we need to recognize that fact and admit that so we don't fall to it. Look at verse 12. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed that he does not fall. That's why he gives us the 13th verse. Because he said, I want you to know that all these had the same spiritual opportunity, and yet many of them fell. And I tell you these things because this is still going on today, and I don't want you to fall like they fell, and so I want to give you some helps. Now, I've taught, uh, I teach about temptation in Dynamics of Discipleship, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on these first three points, but I do want to put them up on the board, I think. I don't work with boards, but I think they're going to be up on the board. But I want you to know that there are three things about temptation that you need to know. One of them is that temptation is normal. Look at verse 11. Temptation is normal. Now, these things happen to them as an example. In other words, what he says when he says as an example, he means these things happen to them in the Old Testament so that I can show you in the New Testament that what happened to them is going to happen to you. That is just normal. That's just normal. Amen? That's just normal. The second thing is it's neutral. Look at verse 6. Now these things happen as an example for us so that we would not crave evil things as they craved evil things. In other words, what he is saying there is everybody is tempted, but not everybody has to give in to temptation. It's winnable. Did you know temptation is winnable? Did you know that temptation in and of itself is not sin? I've had people come to me and say, well, I must be living a life of sin because I'm constantly being tempted in this area of my life. And I tell them, temptation is not sin. You know what the Bible says happens is that when we give in to that temptation, and that temptation then becomes a part of us, James is big on this, when it comes to fruition, when we allow it to become a part of our life, when we allow it to then come into us and we begin to act out that temptation as a part of our life, then and only then does it become sin. But temptation in of itself is, is neutral. It's neither good nor bad. But the third thing that's important that we teach is that it's winnable. Or we could say it this way, it's necessary. 
I'm, I'm not preaching on this this morning, but could I tell you why God gives us temptation? Do you know why God put the tree in the center of the garden and challenged Adam and Eve the way that he did? Is it because he's mean? <laughs> no. He wanted them to do the right things and choose to love him. So what am I saying? God tempts us because he uses that process to grow us. Overcoming temptation grows us. We become more like Jesus. We overcome these things like Jesus overcame these things in when he was tempted in the wilderness. We we grow through the process of temptation. God sent things our way so that we continue in maturity in our Christian walk by overcoming the challenges that are in front of us. You see, if temptation is normal and common to all men, then, then solutions must be common also. Look at the last part of verse 13. So important because now I'm going to get to the points here. But with the temptation, will provide the way of escape also that you will be able to endure it. God is never going to put a temptation upon you that you can't endure. God's never going to put a, te a temptation in your way that you can't overcome. That's his promise. God will never pour on you something that is absolutely undoable and it's going to take you down. See, one of the thoughts that I've always had or uh, thought is, why in the world would they eat the apple? That's so stupid. I don't mean to call Adam and Eve stupid, but to me, they were idiots. I mean, think about it. They're in the garden, made by God. They can do anything. I mean anything. There isn't even anything wrong except that tree. I mean, they can get up every morning, do whatever they want. I mean, it. God comes at night. They walk in the garden. It is paradise, man. And they eat the apple. To me, that's stupid. Just me. So what are these common solutions to temptation? And could I say that there are others, but I, I really believe that these are the key five that are taught in the Bible for overcoming temptation, so I hope they're helpful to you today. Number one, you have to refuse to be intimidated by the temptation. You have to refuse to be intimidated by the temptation. In Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 and 11 from the Good News Bible, it says this, so to give clarity, Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Then listen to what it says. Put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Well, what's he saying there? He's saying, hey, look, 
Don't be intimidated by temptation. I'm big enough to get you through this. I'm powerful enough to get you through this. What you have in me is so much greater than what the temptation is trying to do. Don't be intimidated by it. Now, I got to tell you, in order for that to be the truth, you've got to be putting on the armor. And that's where a lot of us make the mistake. We don't put on the armor. If I'm going to put on the armor, there are some things that, well, first of all, I would be a person that avails myself to worship. I would be a a person who avails themselves to Sunday school and learning. I would be a person who reads the Bible and does that consistently and daily. I would be a person who prays and is on my knees uh, constantly. I would be a person who chooses the right websites on the computer. I would be a person who chooses the right places, the right friends, the right TV, the right literature. And if I do that, listen to me, if I do that, I'm not going to be intimidated by temptation because I've done good preparation. I've taken a lot of tests in my life, about 3,000 more than I wanted to. When you go to school, what seems like you're going to school all your life, when you start in the first grade, I never had to go to kindergarten, never heard of it out on the farm in Indiana. But I started in the first grade in a school that had four classes in one room and one teacher. We had a lot of time off. But uh, that being as it was, and by the way, I had one teacher and four grades in my second room that I was in, and that was the uh, fifth through the eighth grade. And then my next one that I had, there were almost 400 students at Crown Point High School in one grade. (laughs) That's why I struggled. I took a lot of tests in my life. And you know what I have found out about uh, tests? Now, this is really going to help college students. This is what I found out. Good preparation eliminates intimidation. Other guys that were in my dormitory that flunked out after their freshman year, sophomore year, they all had something in common. Bad preparation caused intimidation. Good preparation eliminates intimidation. People ask me how I preach twice a Sunday. Yeah, we used to do that. Preach Sunday morning, finish Sunday morning, go home, study all afternoon, come back and preach again. Two preps, and then there was Wednesday night that the pastor was in charge of, so essentially... Three times a week, you say, Pastor, how in the world did you ever get through that? Preachers ask me that today because they no longer do it. And I tell them, there's only one way to get through it, good preparation. You've got to have a mindset of preparation because good preparation eliminates intimidation. Good things, doing good things, take away temptations, intimidation doing good things don't get me wrong you'll never outgrow you'll never outgrow get away from temptation but see jesus was tempted see here's our classic example the bible says jesus was tempted in all points like you 
but sinned not. Well, how did he do that? Well, it's very simple. The Bible is very clear. Jesus said it himself. It is written. He knew the word. He was the word. You see, good preparation eliminates intimidation. The second thing is you need to request God's help. The Bible says in Psalm 50 and verse 15 from the Good News Bible, Call to me when trouble comes. I will save you and you will praise me. Hebrews 4, 15 and 16 from the Living Bible. Jesus had the same temptations we do, though he never once gave way to them and sin. So let us come boldly to God and find grace to help us in times of need. This is so simple, but I want you to know this morning, if I'm under a load of temptation, this is so hard. I go to pray. And may I say this morning something that is very, very important for us to know? I'm going to get better results from the Lord if I'm close to him and he's easy to get in touch with. You know one of the problems why many of us have trouble with temptation, with, uh, temptation is because we've not spoken to God for so long that when the situation finally comes, we've got to find out what his telephone number is. Amen? We've got to find out what his website is. We've got to find out how to get a hold of him because we've not had a hold of him in a long time. Have you ever been tempted to commit a felony when your kids have irritated you to the limit? <laughs> Had this uh, new friend in uh, Anderson, Indiana. She's the music leader, and uh, she's got three children. And one of them is uh, going to be a senior next year in high school. And then one of them, she posted yesterday, just turned 12 yesterday. And this was my response to her post that she had turned 12. I said, uh-oh, 13 next year. How many parents understand that post? <laughs> yeah, you ever been there? SOS, got to get a hold of the Lord. When you're tempted to respond poorly and say what you should not say, would you learn to pause and talk to the Lord about it before you say it? I don't know how many times I could have saved trials and tribulation in my marriage if I had just taken that advice. True confession. When a bad scene comes on TV, do you sense and say, God, you got to direct me away from this. Uh, when there's sexual temptations, attitude temptations, call to God, SOS, the Bible is full of examples over and over and over again of people crying out to God. And let me remind you this morning that Jesus told us when he went up that he was going to go, now get this, he was going to go to the right hand of the Father so that he could intercede for you. He didn't go away and say, well, good luck, did everything I could. 
Number three, refocus your attention. James 1.14 says this, but each one is tempted when by his own evil desires he is dragged away and enticed. Proverbs 4.23 says this, be careful how you think because your life is shaped by your thoughts. You know what? You need to refocus your attention. The battle for sin always starts with the mind. What do you allow yourself to think about? See, the devil is going to get you. It is, if the devil is going to get you, he's going to first going to get it through, your, through a bad thought life that you have. It's where you are focused. Now listen to me, congregation. We live in a world today of the Internet, and the Internet specializes in getting you to focus on things. For instance, I know that you already know this, but Facebook. Facebook's an interesting thing. Seems innocent, but you know what I have found out? And I'm just going to use one example. Let's just say that, and I've done this, and I'm sitting there, and I'm going through Facebook, and all of a sudden I see this advertisement, and so I click on, and I say, you know, I'm, I, I'm going to take a look and see what this Honda HRV, uh, what kind of gas mileage it gets, and what kind of price they're getting for them, because I might be interested in getting one of those someday if I strike oil. And you know what happens? The next day when I turn that internet on, do you know, realize how my Facebook is inundated with information about people who are selling HRVs? Honda HRVs? How do it know? Now that's simple and that's safe. Nope, I'm not going to go to hell for checking on Honda HRVs, though General Motors will tell you I am. But what if I'm just curious about that ad, that ad, and I just click on it, and then the next day my Facebook is inundated with it, and then if I click on one of those, then they take it a step further, and the next thing, you see, it's what your mind is focused in on. You need to refocus your mind. You need to refocus your mind because what your mind is focused in on in today's world, they have the ability to take you where you are focusing and you don't even know it until you're in too deep. Whatever gets your attention gets you. I love the skit. I, and when they, <clears throat> I've got it in my save box there's a save I, I'm terrible with computers but there's a save thing here where when things come on Facebook you can save them so this is one of my saves it's a it's Carol Burnett love Carol Burnett got several things from Carol Burnett that are saved one of them is Tim Conway in the dental's office you got that save you need to save that on your computer and someday when you're real down just click on that okay 
So another one that was really a classic was the cleaning lady. When she played the cleaning lady in the doctor's office, and she went into the doctor's office, and the answering machine was working, and these people were calling up, uh, and the doctor wasn't in, and people were calling up about these terrible things that were going on with them. And every one that the people would call up that was going on with this, this, this worker, this janitor, this lady was getting it. <laughs> she just, you can't see it, can you? You see, all she's doing is cleaning the floor. She's mopping, and then they're calling up and saying, my leg has been bothering me, and it's just terrible. And next thing you know, she's limping around. You know, she's identifying with it. And, and so what I'm saying to you is that you focus in on it, and if you focus in on allow for your mind to go there, you need to re-channel your mind towards good things. Well, to overcome temptation, we need to refuse to be intimidated, talk to God, refocus your thinking, and then this is probably one of the most important ones that I could suggest to you, and that is you need to reveal your struggle to a friend. Uh, you're going to hate me for saying this, but you need to be accountable. I know accountability is something that we hate, and you know, accountability is one of those things. I was talking to my grandson, uh, and uh, he was talking about going to Olivet next fall, and Jan was saying to him, we were having this conversation, she was saying to him, well, aren't you going to be, aren't you going to be concerned about being that far away from home? No. You know what he was saying? Come on, you know what he was saying. No, man, I'm not going to be accountable anymore. No. You need to be accountable. I want to Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10 from the Good News Bible says this. Two are better than one because together if one falls down, the other can help him up. But if someone is alone and falls, there's no one to help him up. Or how about this from James three sixteen? Admit your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. We need to be accountable to someone in our lives. In fact, I think that's the biggest reason for Christians getting married. <laughs> or at least, at least it seems that way. So my doctor has me on this diet. Now I have a different doctor, and this doctor isn't as hard as the other one. I didn't pick it that way. They just, my other doctor left, probably because of me. <laughs> left Scott and White. And I got another doctor. But see, this, this new doctor, he, he doesn't have to worry about me because I'm married. So all I had to do was come home and say, the doctor said I need to lose weight. <laughs> this is Jan. <laughs> yes. Yes, I've been waiting for this moment. And I want to tell you, I have been living in a de depressed, <laughs> depressed life since December 3rd. <laughs> Dr. James Dobson has been a godsend for Christianity, hadn't he? And one of the things that he did, and I remember when I was pastoring Temple First, uh, 
I, I got involved in this and got the people involved in this. And what he did was he had Christians, because of the way that society was going and this temptation was going and people giving in temptation, he had them sign five covenants. It was a sheet of five covenants that he had everybody sign. And you signed for this. And one of the keys to this thing was that you had to get an accountability partner, someone who would ask the hard questions Someone, someone who could love you unconditionally, no matter what they heard, but someone who would be truthful with you of what you're doing according to the Word of God, an accountability partner. I don't know if I told you this or not, but when I, when I, become a, when I became aware of this, I was pastoring in Harlingen, Texas. Young pastor and uh, never heard of, really never involved in AA. Thank, thank God, you know, I was never one of those, and so I was never involved in, so I'm walking home one day, wife had the car, we only had one car at that time, so I'm walking, and, and Harlingen had alleys behind every house, you had a road in front and an alley in back, love that, because you never had to take the trash out, <laughs> it was always there, and they'd just come by and get it, and, but anyway, they had these alleys, so I'm walking through one of these alleys, and here's a guy working in his garage, and he's, and he's got all this wood, woodworking stuff. Well, I used to teach uh, wood shop, and so naturally I was curious, so I walked up, struck up a conversation with him, and in the process of it, he told me that he was an, uh, a recovering alcoholic. And all of a sudden, while we were, we were talking there, he said, well, I've got to go now. I've got to go to the AA meeting. I said, the AA, I said, you got to go to the AA. He said, yes, I have to go to Alcoholics Anonymous. I go there every day. I said, well, how long have you been doing this? He said, 25 years. <laughs> I said, 25 years? You need a different curriculum. But the truth of the matter is, I, I have a disciple now that was part of that AA and, and still does that and now teaches in that area. And he will tell you, that the reason it goes on for 25 years is because it's such a serious disease that it takes that, and what it takes is, most importantly, is accountability. You have to be accountable. You have to be accountable. The fifth one and the final one is you have to resist the devil. To overcome temptation, you have to resist the devil. James 4, 7, give in to God, then resist the devil, and he will run away from you. James 4, 7. Ephesians 6, 17, accept salvation from God to be your helmet and receive the word to use as a sword. You turn to the devil and you say, which is something... Now, you think this is simple. You turn to the devil and you say, buzz off. You see, what I think, and I've been observing Christians for four, over 40 years now, and I especially have been observing the modern-day Christian, and here's what I think. I think, that we're testing everything today to see 
if we can get into that and still be a Christian. Let me say it again. My fear is what I am observing today in the church is that instead of saying to the devil, buzz off, holiness unto the Lord, we are involved in seeing how close we can get to what we're being tempted with and still call ourselves a Christian. And that's dangerous. Amen? That is dangerous. Put on the armor. Don't be intimidated. Talk to God. Get good help. Refocus your thinking. Have a plan. Get support, a good spiritual friend, and turn to the devil and say, buzz off. I want to make a statement here before we see if anybody needs to pray about this. I heard something one time that changed my life. Um, used it in my research for a sermon and it just came to me and it's, it's so profound that it just has everything to do. It's just the bottom line of everything, okay? What I'm going to share with you concerning temptations, this is the bottom line of everything. And here's what it is. Did you know that right is right if nobody does it? And wrong is wrong if everybody does it. Let me say it again. Right is right, holiness people, if nobody does it, and wrong is still wrong if everybody does it. Temptation. May I suggest that you refuse to be intimidated, that you request God's help, that you refocus your thinking, reveal your struggles to a friend, and resist the devil. The invitation to the altar this morning is not about good or bad. It isn't. It's not about sinners. <laughs> it isn't. All we are asking you this morning through the process of this message that God laid on my heart is, how are you doing with temptation? And if you're struggling in that area, this is a great place to talk to God about it. Right here. Because you see, it's here that you say to the devil, buzz off. Amen? Just buzz off. I'm done with this. I'm going through with Jesus and him alone. You can't come to the altar this morning and eliminate temptation. It's impossible. It's common to man. So you can't do that. But you can do what you can do 
is come and take a stand. That's the invitation. If you need to pray, you come while we sing. Let's stand together while we sing. And all of you is more than enough for all of me for every thirst and every need you satisfy me with your love and all I have in you is more than enough supply my breath of life still more awesome than I know you are my reward worth living for still more awesome than I know and all of you is more than enough for all of for every thirst and every need, you satisfy me with your love. All I have in you is more than Sacrifice of greatest price, still more awesome than I know. You're my coming king, you are everything, still more awesome than I know. All of you is more than enough for all of me. For every thirst and every need, you satisfy me with your love. All I have in you is more than enough, more than all I want, more than all I need. You are more than enough for me. More than all I know, more than all I can say, you are more than enough for me, more than all I want, more than all I need, you are more than Oh, uh -huh.
Lord, to overcome temptation. You yourself, Lord, were taken into the desert and was tempted, and you overcame. As an example to us, we can be overcomers through you. Would you help us, Lord, to be mindful of temptation that is all around us, and to use the tools, Lord, that you've given to us to be the victors in Christ Jesus our Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You are dismissed. Amen.